0: Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Starting a new series today. It's a mini-series, a couple of weeks. And it's called Hypocrite. Not hypocrite, hypocrite. Ever say hypocrite? Hypocrite. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be addressing the hypocrisy that lives in us all. We're going to stop the finger pointing and we're going to look at ourselves as we look at this series called Hypocrite. Turn to the person next to you and say, Hypocrite. Turn to the other person and say, On the other side, so they don't feel left out and say, not hypocrite, hypocrite." but hypocrite. I've been thinking about doing this series for a, a number of months because when it comes to those that we are trying to reach, those that are far from God, those that are outside the church, one of their biggest excuses that they will give as to why they don't come to church. And I'm sure you would have heard this. One of the biggest excuses our unsaved, unchurched, far from God, friends and family members will say about the church is this. I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Who's ever heard that? Whoever said it once upon a time? Who still thinks that's true? When someone says to me that the church is full of hypocrites, I respond by saying, no, it's not full of hypocrites because there's always room for one more. Because the truth is, we're all guilty of hypocrisy. You see, even the statement, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites is hypocritical. Because the work they go to or the school they go to or the university they go to or the shopping mall they go to is also full of hypocrites. But it doesn't stop them going there. So to use hypocrisy as a reason why you don't go somewhere when you go other places where there are hypocrites is to be hypocritical. Which highlights the point, we're all hypocrites. Are you with me? Repeat after me. I, I am, am a Hypocrite. It's actually quite freeing, really, don't you think? It's always freeing telling God something that He already knows. Because we're not trying to free God. God is not boxed. We box ourselves with the lies that we tell ourselves. And so when we tell God what He already knows, it's actually very freeing. So when we say, I'm a hypocrite, God's not like, oh! It's actually freeing because, ah! We're just informing God of what he already knows. We're all hypocrites. Not convinced? Well, let me run a few scenarios by you. My first scenario is this: if you accept or sorry, if you expect God to forgive you, but you refuse to give others, you might be a hypocrite. If you complain about being poor on Twitter or Facebook via your smartphone, (laughs) um, you might be a hypocrite. For our American friends amongst us this morning, if you have a Save the Planet bumper sticker on your Hummer, (laughs) you might be a hypocrite. If you complain about dole bludgers, but in turn cheat on your taxes, you might be a hypocrite. If you point out what is wrong in others' lives, but never notice what's wrong in your own life, you might be a hypocrite. If you call yourself a Christian, but hate homosexuals, people of different races, and those who disagree with you, ah, you might be a hypocrite. If do unto others only applies to others, you might be a hypocrite. If you say grace at mealtime, and then complain about the meal you're about to eat. Oh, you might be a hypocrite. Father, we thank you for this food. Oh, vegetables! (laughs) If you judge others about how judgmental they are, Oh, you might be a hypocrite. Come on, repeat after me. I I am am a big big. hypocrite. Have I got your attention? The truth is Jesus had a lot to say about hypocrisy. And I want to read something of what Jesus had to say about hypocrisy reading from the book of Matthew. Verse 23. Matthew was one of the disciples. He was one of the eyewitnesses to all that Jesus did and said. And as he was drawing to the end of his life, he thought, man, I've seen and heard a lot. I've got to start writing this down. And this is what he wrote. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they're the religious people of the day. Sit in Moses' seat. They'd be like saying, "The people of Victory Church, the Christians of today." He's addressing us. Let's put ourselves in the story. The trouble is, when we read the Word of God, we think we're Jesus in the story. Have you noticed that? We do. We kind of play role. I'm I'm Jesus. I'm the good guy. But let's, let's let's just for a moment pretend that we are the Pharisees in this story. Okay. So that the point is not lost. He says, You must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honour at the banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. But do not be called rabbi, for you only have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you only have one father and he's in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will become your servant. For those who are exalted will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Not only did Jesus have a lot to say about hypocrisy, but what he had to say about hypocrisy was really, 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 really scathing. I mean, Jesus was not skirting around the issue here. And He wasn't talking about a scenario. He wasn't talking in parables. He was up close and personal. He was in their face. He was pointing at them. He wasn't saying, oh, I met this guy once upon a time. He's saying, you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this, this is like in your face. And if you read on in the chapter, and I would encourage you to do that, he brings seven woes to them. He says, woe to you. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And they go, whoa. He calls them blind guides. Whitewashed tombs. He calls them a brood of vipers. These are not like terms of endearment. Oh, you little brood of vipers. I mean, who puts their kids to bed at night? And, oh, you little whitewashed tomb. It's not a term of endearment. Jesus is deadly serious. And He wants them to know how, how bad their behaviour is. More importantly, their attitude stinks. Calls them murderers. Calls them greedy, self-indulgent to their pace. I mean, this is not like say all the niceties at church then go home and say all the bad things about the pastor at home. This is like to their face. He went head to head with the religious people of the day because they'd made their religion all about rules and regulations. They'd lost the relationship with the heavenly father. It was more about ritualistic worship than a relationship with God. And I think we live in a world that desires reality. That's why we watch a lot of reality television. That's why we want organic foods, free-range chickens. We, 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 We want real Because intrinsically, we hate fake. And yet we find it easier to do fake. So we're in this dilemma. We want what we want, but it's easier to do what we don't want. And so invariably, we end up not with what we want, but what we don't want, but it's just easier. And so we have what we don't want by default because it's just easier. And this is what Jesus was addressing. And he was addressing some of the problems with hypocrisy. And I want to look at some of those problems very quickly this morning because it's good for us to point out the problems so that we can recognize why we need to stay away from and deal with the hypocrisy that lives in us all. The first problem with hypocrisy is that it's subtle, it's subtle. Jesus says you you clean the cup on the outside, but inside you're still dirty. In other words, hypocrisy is not obvious to the naked eye. On the outward, everything looks okay. And I believe that's why Jesus went after them as strongly as He did, because He was trying to expose what others could not see. In actual fact, it amazes me that Jesus seems far more gracious with sins that seem far more devious. Remember the woman that was brought to Jesus caught in the act of adultery. Remember that? And Jesus, full of wisdom, begins to just draw in the sand. All these Pharisees, these religious people had brought this woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. P.S., the man is nowhere to be seen. It's hypocrisy at the highest level. A woman cannot be guilty of adultery without another person. And so they bring this woman in, throw at the feet of Jesus and give Jesus a scenario. You've got to put this woman to death according to Moses but if you do, then you're not as gracious, you're not the Messiah because he wouldn't do that and said so he's got this dilemma. And Jesus just bends down and starts drawing in the sand. We don't know what it was that he was drawing. Some might say that he was drawing the names of women that these other men had slept with. We don't know. Some suggest that he was writing scriptures in the sand. Maybe Jesus didn't know what to do at that moment and he was just doodling, just... Waiting for the Father to speak. In actual fact, that might be good practice for some of us, just to doodle for a while before we just open our big mouth. But just a thought. Tweet that on your smartphone. But don't ever say you're poor. Anyway, um, he says, He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone at this woman. And it says, Oldest to youngest, they left until it was just Jesus and the woman. And Jesus looked at this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery and says, your sins are forgiven. Don't do it again. He seems to be far more gracious with things that are far more obvious. And that's the danger of of hypocrisy. It's so subtle. It's not obvious. When you just mess up In a very blatant, obvious way, it's for all to see. It's for all to see. But hypocrisy is not like that. And Jesus knew it, and that's why he exposed it as blatantly as he did. Number one, hypocrisy is subtle. Number two, hypocrisy is misleading. He says, by all means, listen to what the religious teachers are saying, but don't practice what they do, because they don't practice. What they preach. In other words, if you follow their lifestyle, if you follow their example, it's going to mislead you. Because they say one thing and they do another. There are many differences between Greek culture and Hebrew culture. But an over simplistic view of that would be this that the Greeks loved knowledge. And as long as you knew something, they were impressed. But Hebrew thinking went a bit deeper. It wasn't just about what you knew, it's about how you lived your life. And so Hebrew think was, unless it's outworked in your life, you don't know anything yet. And we've tried to build a church on that thought. If we're not modelling it, we're not living it, we haven't owned it. Because we want to be people that practice What we preach. Anyone in this room, the youngest in this room, the most unmarried, unparented person in this room could do a seminar on parenting. Just get the right books, read the right pages, say the right words. You go, wow, you're amazing what you know. But how many times have you learned as an actual parent, not a virtual one, what you read in the books a lot harder to put into practice when you've been sleep deprived and you've got puke all over you and the other two kids that by somehow God's grace you never murdered are fighting and you've got to try and pacify this child it seems a million miles away from that book you read We don't want to be a church. We don't want to be a group of people that just talk the talk and say it says here. Going through a really tough time. Just pray about it. Oh. I know it's the right answer, but you know what? I'm just not feeling it. I think sometimes the kindest things I can say is man, that sucks. We don't want to be guilty of saying something that we're not living. It's misleading. Hypocrisy number three is exhausting. Jesus says everything you do is for people to see. And so we're always playing this game, trying to impress. If you wonder why you're tired all the time, ask yourself this. Who are you trying to impress all the time? Because it's exhausting trying to be someone that you're not. God created you to be you. And half the time we don't even know who that is. And so we get on Facebook and we look at somebody and what they've got and we try to emulate what they have and what they do and, and we just get exhausted. We wear ourselves out. And we become two-faced and we start wearing a whole heap of masks. Just pretending to be something that we're not. Putting on our fake smiles. We, we want it to be real, but you know, it's easier to do fake than real. We, we want reality, but we get fake so quick. And then there's the fake tan. Some of you who like fake tans, why did he use orange? There's a hint in that. Some of you are all about the beards. I'm just jealous I can't grow one that's fine. For the ladies all at the makeup, more makeup. Fake eyelashes. <laughs> You're easy, please, Benny. <laughs> and we end up living a virtual reality life. And we become actors in other people's game. And Jesus never came that we may act. He came to set us free. Because we've got to dress everything up to look good. There wouldn't be too many photos on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter that has not been filtered. Because, you know, real just doesn't do it for us anymore. And yet we want reality. But to leave that photo alone and not put a filter on it, this is just not going to cut it. And as we say, this awesome sunset, I don't even believe most awesome sunsets anymore. I just want to know what filter they used. Hypocrisy. Is superficial. Hypocrisy will get you majoring on minors. Jesus said to the religious people, you make your phylacteries wide. Now phylacteries were little leather boxes. And they the, the Jewish men would wear these phylacteries, one on their left arm and the other on their head. And inside the little leather box, which is what the phylactery was made from, would be a scripture. And it was a scripture that was meant to remind them of how they ought to live. The trouble is the phylacteries themselves became more important than living by the scriptures that were inside the box. And so he majored on the wrong thing. Now, I haven't seen anyone this morning walk in with a phylactery on their forehead or on their left arm. God bless you. But that would be too easy, wouldn't it? Let's contextualise. Let's bring what Jesus was saying into 2014 because I didn't see anyone walk in with phylacteries this morning. But we, we do superficial in other ways. We Have ways of majoring on minors. We major on minors when we make our worship experience more about the volume of the music than the one we worship. That's a phylactery. When we are more upset that someone's sitting in a seat that I sat in last week than being grateful that the church is fitting up and you can't sit in your same seat anymore, that's a phylactery. When we say, why do we need another service? Why can't we just leave things the way they are? is to miss the point. We've made it more about our comfort than reaching out and the church growing. That's a phylactery. Are there any hypocrites in the house? People's definition of worship today is, I want to worship God as long as it suits me. And that's not worship at all. That's worshiping you. By the time we say, I, I don't want it to be too long. I don't want it too loud. I want to be able to sit here. I don't want any problems. <laughs> it's not really worship. We've, we've, we really are majoring on the wrong thing. We should be able to come to church on the worst day imaginable. And if we keep the main thing, the main thing we will always be able to worship. But hypocrisy, will never see it like that because it's so superficial. So let's keep the main thing, the main thing. Hypocrisy number, whatever it is, can't count, wasn't great at mass, uh, detrimental. Jesus says you put an unrealistic load on people. And it's worse than that. You, don't only, you not only put an unrealistic load on people, you don't even offer to help them. It's like when someone comes up and and informs you that you've got a problem and then does nothing to help. There's a gentleman walking out of the shop the other day and he had his hands full and he dropped um, a packet of of, uh, toothpaste and and some other uh, thing that he'd bought. And he was trying to pick them up and I just happened to be there so I picked them up. And he, he was so surprised someone stopped to help him. He was just overly grateful. I didn't really do anything at all. I mean, I I would have been embarrassed not to help him. But his response said something about his expectation. His expectation was that nobody would help him. That's the world we live in. And So hypocrisy is detrimental because it stops people that we're trying to reach being reached. Well, we're arguing about the volume of the music, the length of the service, whether we should have a cross or shouldn't have a cross, whether we should have lights or shouldn't have a light, the people trying to reach are watching us saying, "Uh, I'm not interested. I think for the sake of the bigger picture, if we could put some of our differences aside for the sake of what really matters, we'd be far more effective. But a hypocrisy doesn't see it like that. And that's what makes it detrimental. It makes it detrimental to the individuals and to those that we're trying to reach. No one wins. Jesus said it very strong in Matthew 23, verse 13. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Nothing subtle there. You shut the door on the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who are trying to. Before we had kids, as we entered ministry, I remember talking to Kath saying, we're never going to use the term pastor's kids on any of our kids. And we got to the age of about, I think Jordan was 11 or 12. And some blessed soul in our church, God bless her, came to my daughter one day and said, do you find it? Uh, do you feel the pressure being a pastor's kid? She'd never heard the term pastor's kid. This woman was trying to put something on her, maybe with good intention, but it's something I didn't want on my daughter. And so Jordan came to me at lunch that day and said, Dad, um, this woman came and said this. And I'm like, (laughs) and she said, what's a pastor's kid? Am I a pastor's kid? I said, no, you're not. I said, I don't like pastor's kids. If you ever meet a pastor, kids are naughty. And I keep them free. Why should my kid have to behave and yours not? Because that's what they're saying. Do you feel a pressure to be the pastor's kid? Why should my 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 14-year-old, 16-year-old, whatever age they have been and will continue to be, have to be any better behaved than your little horrors? So when our kids mess up and they do, too much for my liking. Let me rephrase that, way too much for my liking. Why should it be wrong for them or more wronger? It's a word, look it up. Why should they be penalised more? Because they're a pastor. They're not a pastor, they're a kid. Why they mess up is, is found in the word, not pastor, it's found in the second word, kid. They mess up because they're kids. And so we've tried to take those things off. I, I take this very seriously as a pastor because I realize Jesus is I'm not Jesus in the equation, I, I'm the Pharisee. And so I don't want to be that guy who's guilty of putting things on my kids and I've done that. Because we're all Hypocrites. So what can we do? Because now we all feel like, you know, just killing ourselves, let's be honest. So I want to close with these three things to remember this morning. Three things to remember. Number one, we're never going to be perfect, but we do want to close the gap. We don't want to use what I've said today as a license just to continue being a hypocrite. Today is about us recognising the fact of what we are and the tendency to become that and stay there. But when we recognise that we are hypocrites, like I said before, just, just saying it is freeing. Telling God what He already knows is freeing. The Bible says it this way, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, God is perfect and all of us fall short of His perfection. None of us are perfect. That's all that means. He's perfect. And no matter how good you are, your goodness, your greatness, your understanding of perfection doesn't come anywhere near God's level of perfection. So you might be better than the person next to you. You might be smarter. You might be richer. You might be fitter. Your football team may be just doing a little bit better than another football team right now. I've got to be honest, I was bitterly disappointed as I was looking on social media to see that Chris Guglielmucci is a Port fan. I never knew that. I was gutted. I was going through like typical, typical. typical. Oh no, Lord. (laughs) So you may be doing a little bit better than somebody else. But here's the thing, they're not your measuring stick. You're not, get to, you're not going to get to heaven and spend eternity with God because you're better than somebody else. And just because you're a little less hypocritical than someone else isn't going to cut it either. And let's be honest, that's what we think being a Christian is being better than somebody else. I think we, we, we've ordered Christianity down to hang around enough losers and I'll feel better about myself and that will make me a Christian. Who's got more problems than I have and i feel good about myself? I can speak into their life and just give them advice that I'm not living but they'll think better of me. Secondly, let's remember we're only hypocritical before men, not God. because we can't hide anything from God because He's all-knowing. When we're being hypocritical, we're not being hypocritical before God because He knows us through and through. He just calls it sin. And that's the freeing thought because there are many people who before coming to Christ Feel like, oh, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. If, 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 if you knew all that I've done, you wouldn't want me in this church. Here's the cool thing, God already knows. That's the cool thing, God already knows. You put whatever label you want on it, but God knows. And the third thing is simply this, that Jesus asks for the masks. We're not here to dwell this morning on our hypocrisy. We're not here to dwell on our sin. We're not here to dwell on our masks, our failings, our shortcomings. We're not here to glorify any of that. We're here to simply acknowledge that we have them. And church is a safe, wonderful, incredible place that we can lay them down. It's a place where we don't have to play a game anymore. We're pastors' kids, don't have to be pastors' kids anymore, they can just be kids. where hypocrites can gather together, recognize, man, I'm hypocritical this area. Man, I was hypocritical seven times today. I'm among a people who is as hypocritical, more or less, but we can come united. We're not pointing the finger at everyone else's hypocrisy now because we realize we're all as bad as each other, but Jesus makes us all as good as each other. And so he wants us to Put down the mask. Some of us might have to have a shave. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus says, Those that exalt themselves, are oh, they're going to be humbled. But those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. We can have our band come. That'd be fantastic. We're going to break bread together in just a moment. So the key to closing this gap, being as imperfect as we are, is always found in humility. You know, Jesus told a parable to the disciples about a man who went and sowed seed in the ground and the wheat came up. He said, Overnight, the enemy came and sowed weeds and the weeds came up. The wheat and the weeds grew up side by side. The farmer was indignant and said, I will go and rip up the weeds. And, And the farmer, the owner said, No, 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 don't do that because you may harm the wheat. Leave the weeds alongside the wheat. And in the end, there'll be a gathering together. The weeds will be gathered and burnt, the wheat will be gathered and rejoice for all time and eternity. But here's an interesting fact about wheat and I'm not a farmer so I've got to trust my source. But wheat, just before it ripens begins to bow. If you and I are going to live free and stay free we've got to stay humble and learn like the wheat to bow before the master. Have I ever been hypocritical? Absolutely. Am I proud of it? Not at all. Here's a good question. Am I aware of it? Yep. Awareness is a starting place. Because where there's awareness I can repent To my Heavenly Father and receive forgiveness. I can apologize to those who I've hurt. And even where Christian virtues have been violated, we can instill another Christian virtue that overrides our failure. And this is what God calls all things working together for the good. We can mess up and implement another Christian virtue of honesty, openness, humility repentance, apology and God can accelerate your growth as a result of your mistakes if you stay humble. Why is it that so many young people give their lives to Jesus and will do anything for Him but as they get older they no longer are as willing? I can't help but feel there's a correlation between we get to know quite a bit. We get to know how to do the Christian thing and then we're no longer as humble. When when we're we're young and dumb, we will just take any advice, we'll do anything. But as we get older, more mature, as we get more settled, we we know how the whole Christian thing works. We're aware aware of a little bit of church politics and, and so we just know how to play the game and all humility is gone. And we're now just playing a game. And so we might have thrown down the mask when we first got saved, but now we've got it. It's well and truly back in place. And we come to church. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. How's life? Excellent. Fantastic. Awesome. Didn't you see my Facebook page? It's awesome. No filter needed. Liar. <laughs> Jesus asks, for the masks. Not once. Not twice. But every day. Because every day is this bad or just just put it down. What are you doing? This is true love. You can love somebody because you love the appearance of somebody. I I, I think social media has redefined the word love and like and friend. I think we've lost the meaning of friend. I think social media has been good and bad for us. But I think we've lost certain meanings of certain words through social media. And I think it's time to redefine what love really is, what liking really is, and what friends really are. And we can do that if we stay humble. We can do that if we put down the masks. We can do that if we deal with the hypocrisy that's in us. And the reason we go for hypocrisy is because it's just easy. It's just easier. But true love goes beyond just the superficial. You meet someone for the first time, you say, wow, that person's amazing. But what you're really saying is I don't really know them. And do we find them amazing because we actually don't know them? You, you think about that when you first meet young couple and there's puppy love, and you just want to spend 24 hours together because you. I remember as a teenager dating Kath, my then girlfriend, just being on the phone. What are you doing? I'm talking. Just really listening to Kath's breath. See, see, we didn't have mobile phones where you go to your room and talk. We had to do it in front of the whole family because the cord was only that long. And so I think half, you know, half my silence was I'm just, don't know what to say in front of my family. <laughs> but as I've got to know Kath and got to know her at a deeper level, you have a choice. Are you going to fall more and more in love with what you learn about this person? Or out of love? The amazing thing to me about God's love is that he knows me. This is what amazes me about God's love. Not that he loves me. That he knows me and still loves me. That's what amazes me. That he sees my hypocritical ways. My lying, cheating ways. See when I stole some bubble gum many years ago. When I lost my call as a pastor on Bondi Beach. And I could just entertain you all morning with stupid things that I have done. And if God was telling the stories that you forgot this one, you forgot this one, you forgot this one. The fact that he knows that about me and still loves me is why I'm here this morning it's got nothing to do with whether I feel like being here whether I can afford to be here it's got everything to do with understanding how good God is thank you for taking the time to listen If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.